Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner. This is a podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. I'm Caleb Mason. I am not. I am Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. The Todd Father. And we have a great episode for you today. Today, we are talking with New York Times bestselling author Gretchen Rubin. Woo! She's written a whole bunch of stuff. Yes, she has written uh, a lot of books. The Happiness Project, Better Than Before. She's also a podcast host of her own. And today, we're going to be talking with her um, on her new book. Outer order, inner calm, declutter, and organize to make more room for happiness. Let's do it. Caleb, do you feel cluttered? So, believe it or not, Todd, sometimes I do. Okay. I know that you're like completely blown away because you have this picture of me that literally everything is together and put away. Yeah. But it's not always that way. Oh, believe okay. It or not. Well, there you go. I know sometimes you probably put your shoes in the wrong place. It probably weighs on your mind a lot. Sometimes, yes. I know. Anyway, Stay up late at night. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to be talking with uh, Gretchen in just a moment. However, before we get to that, we have our Learner's Corner Recommended Resource of the Week. And today I am recommending a podcast episode to kind of stay on theme for productivity and organization. And it is an episode. (coughs) I died. You okay? I died. Uh, It is... Uh, from the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast, and it is his conversation that he had with Frank Beeler on how to seriously boost your productivity during high-demand seasons. Super insightful, lots of things taken away. I talked uh, last week on our What We Learned in February podcast about um, kind of the implications of that. So go back and listen to that if you want to see how I'm applying it. Otherwise, that is our Learner's Corner Recommended Resource of the Week. Also, I try not to be so loud with those anymore. I used to be really loud. You may have noticed that we have some new intro music today. <gasps> what? I know. I didn't notice. Can you hear the doleful tones of this new music? Who did this, Caleb? Sam Massey, who I actually work with Sam. Shout out to Sam. Shout out to Sam. If you want to... Uh, and also, he is he is actually the sponsor for this podcast. He is making this episode possible. And so if you want to reach out to him for any work or music needs or anything along those lines, um, you can hit him up, and all the links to that will be in our show notes today. Let's go. Anyway, as we mentioned, today we are talking with Gretchen Rubin about her new book, Outer Order, Intercom. And here is our conversation. Well, Gretchen, we are so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. I'm so happy to be talking to you. Yeah, we're really excited to talk with you about your book that, uh, that as of today, um, when this episode is released and is released in its outer order, inner calm. And, you know, kind of the premise of the book is that outer order uh, contributes to inner calm. And I'm just wondering, how have you seen uh, this dynamic or this principle play out in your life and the life of others as well? Well, I just, it's not true for everyone. So there are the few people who are clutter blind, who do not Mm -hmm. care, don't see this. But I have just been astonished by the degree to which for most people, and I would certainly include myself among them, there's a disproportionate amount of kind of energy and focus and sense of, you know, calm and just a possibility that comes from creating outer order. Um, A friend of mine said, I finally cleaned out my fridge and now I know I can switch careers. (laughs) Um, And I know exactly how that felt. And like, 
I found, you know, I'll clean out something like a coat closet and I'll find myself opening up the door just to look at it just because I feel so good seeing, you know, seeing space, being able to see the back of the closet, being able to see the floor, being able to put things away easily. And this just creates this feeling of mental calm. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. But it's just interesting to me how how much people do feel it and how kind of how much like emotional energy is surrounding um, this issue of outer order. Can you get into a little bit about the reasons why, uh, you know, the, the outer order can contribute to someone experiencing inner calm and peace? Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons. Um, and some of the some of the most prominent ones. Well, first of all, just at the kind of most superficial level, life is easier. You know, it, you can find things more easily. You can put things away more easily. Stuff doesn't get as dirty. You're not, you know, like you don't have like plastic containers falling on your head every time, uh, you know, you open a cabinet. Um, it's just there's a simplicity to it. Um, it. It just life feels easier. And then there's also the fact that a lot of times. There is uh, unfinished business, regret, guilt, remorse tied up into objects. So, like, let's say I thought I was going to learn to play guitar, but I haven't really done anything about it. So I have a guitar kind of lying around. And every time I see it, I get sort of a shot of guilt. Like, oh, I was going to do this and I should do this, but I don't want to do it. Um, Or maybe I spent too much on something that I haven't really used. So when I see it, I feel guilty. Like, oh, gosh, I really... I splurged on that, and now I didn't even use it. Um, or somebody gave us something, and we think, oh, gosh, I, I don't even want this thing, but I have to keep it because somebody else gave it to me. And so when we get these things off our shelves, they also go off our conscience. So I don't feel bad looking at the guitar because I gave the guitar away to somebody who actually wants to play guitar. So I don't have to feel guilty every time I lose it, or I don't, I don't think about this fantasy self that I, isn't really me. Um, And another thing is, you know, a lot of times there's decision fatigue and we've all faced this, right? Like a lot of times it's easier just to keep stuff than to decide what to keep. I'm going to keep every, every uh, piece of artwork that my kid ever drew because it's easier to just stick it all into a box than it is to decide, should I keep this one? Should I give it away? I have all these sweatshirts. I wear some, but not others. Which ones do I really use? What do I do with the ones I'm giving away? Are these really rags? Can I donate them? Where would I donate them? You know, so sometimes it's just like, I just, I don't even want to think about it. So I'll just shove it in this out of the way corner and forget about it. But eventually we run out of space and then we just have this uncomfortable feeling that we're surrounded. We're just clogged by all this stuff we don't need. We don't use, we don't love. Maybe we don't even know we have it. Or we don't even know what it is. I mean, how many times have you picked up a cord or like a remote? We, for some reason, have an extraordinary number of remote controls. <laughs> like, remote control to what? And I always, you know, I'm like, yeah. it seems important and it's critically crucial to something. But do we even still own that thing? We've never used it. Why, You know, and so getting getting that stuff just swept out of the way just makes us feel like life is just easier and calmer and clearer. Mm-hmm. Was there a, a moment or almost like a breaking point to where you realized, I, I just have to deal with this stuff right now? Well, you know, I'm I'm a pretty orderly person, so I never got to this. The, I never got to the point where I was really drowning and stuff, but I definitely feel like 
every time I take the time to sort of sit down and go through, okay, this is these are the shelves in my office. You know, stuff kind of accumulates over time, and you have to sort of, you know, you either have to manage it day to day, which in the book I have a lot of ideas about things you can do, just sort of little tiny steps you can do every day, so you, you just to keep that scum of clutter off the surface of life. And then sometimes you just sort of need to take a few minutes or, or an hour or maybe an, a weekend, you know, um, mm-hmm. and go through it. And so. I will periodically feel like, okay, this is, I'm just feeling like this isn't working. There's too many coats in this closet. There's too much, like what's going on in this kitchen cabinet? Or like we have this drawer where we have dog treats and, you know, it's just like, okay, too many open bags of dog treats. Like some of them clearly he doesn't like. So why do we even keep the bag? Some of them, let's just finish these off. Like just why is this, there's just too much of this going on. Um, so it wasn't for me, like I hit a bottom or hit a crisis, but just more that I realized that I do take the time. I do get this boost. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm really lucky and I don't know about you guys, but I'm lucky because I'm very well matched in my household. Everyone, my, my husband and my two daughters were all pretty much the same in how much order we like to live in. And what I found in writing this book is that's pretty rare and lucky because a lot of times <laughs> there's a real difference in how orderly people want things to get. And that can be a source of conflict. In my house, we basically all, it's not like we're all neat all the time, but we all appreciate why someone else would say like, why don't we take 15 minutes and like clean up the family room? Because this is sort of like getting on everyone's nerves. Everybody's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Are there any commonalities or places to where you see that people tend to struggle with uh, with having uh, chaos in their home or stuff or anything like that? Well, for sure, the kitchen. Uh, for a lot of people, the kitchen is not only is it like a place where there's tons of activity because there's cooking and eating and things are getting dirty and having to be cleaned and put away all the time. So you have just that constant work. It also, because it is sort of a hub of a household, it tends to be a dumping ground. So for a lot of people, like our, I, like clutter magnets, you know, areas that just for some reason, just there's just always junk there and more and more and more junk. Um, a lot of times that is something like the kitchen table or a kitchen counter or, or like if there's some kind of any kind of, empty, you know, surface in a kitchen, people tend to just like dump their stuff there, whether that's adults putting mail there and keys and loose change or it's children putting schoolwork or bags or, you know, sports equipment or, you know, everybody dumps their their hats, their mittens Um so the kitchen is definitely a hotspot. The front door, wherever you come in, again, people just want to like dump their stuff. And a lot of times they'll just dump it on the floor. Bedrooms, my own, the thing I struggle with most is uh, putting clothes away. I use the floor drobe, which is like, I just throw stuff on the floor, which I know is like a person who writes about clutter is kind of shocking, but I do have a table, but a lot of times I don't even hit the table. I just like, oh, that stuff's just on the floor. Um and I just need, and my husband actually is a really good, he sets a really good example. He's somebody who puts his clothes away all the, you just vary, like as soon as he takes them off, which you're like, that seems like a good idea. Why don't I do that? You know? And I'm like, well, we've been married for you know, a really long time and I have not picked up that quite helpful habit, but I'm really making a much as part of this book coming out. I'm like, okay, Gretchen, you know, take your own medicine. Put your clothes, but what I found, and this is maybe a useful thing for people to think about, I'm a real morning person. I'm much more high energy in the morning than I am at night. And I found that actually I do better when I put my clothes away in the morning, even though that means they kind of sit out overnight, than if I try to do it at night. At night, I just, I blow it off because I'm tired. But in the morning, I kind of have this energy and kind of this restlessness. And I like sort of like, now I'm going to put my shoes away. Now I'm going to put this sweatshirt away. Now I'm going to hang up my robe. 
I find that I do it much more consistently when I try to do it as part of my morning routine than as part of my bedtime routine. Now, I wanted to go back to something that you you talked about earlier when you were talking about your family and how everybody kind of is on the the same wavelength in terms of in terms of all kind of agreeing that this is a good thing. Um, why is it that it, this is there? I, I don't know what as you were writing if you found anything about this, but why is it that it just seems easier for some people than it is for others? Is it simply just as easy well, as that is thing? Well, that is a great question. And um, that's something that I thought a lot about when I was working on my book, Better Than Before, which is all about habit change. Because one of the things that really fascinated me is just this question that you're pointing to, which is, it seems like some people are just better at forming habits. It just comes more easily to them. And then some people don't even like the idea of having habits. It's not even that they don't form them. It's sort of that they don't even approve of them or they kind of feel like they're choking. And so there is um, there is a lot of difference in how in people's aptitude for forming habits. So there's that. There's like how easy do you find it? And then some people just don't care. Like my sister Elizabeth, is, who's my co-host um, on the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. So she's you know she's a very successful person. She's a very successful TV writer and and you know has a lovely family and everything. But she's what I call clutter blind. She just doesn't see it. She doesn't care. If if there was no one else around, she would live in squalor, not dirtiness, but just cabinets open, mail unopened, you know, a million open bottles of shampoo. Like she just doesn't care. That's just part of her nature. And then I think some people just have a very orderly nature. It's like they just thrive in more order. Um, and then there's also a, another difference that comes into play, which is, are you a simplicity lover or an abundance lover? So simplicity lovers tend to really want things to be cleared off. They like empty shelves, blank surfaces. They don't like a lot going on. They tend not to like collections or profusion. You know, they like simplicity. And then abundance lovers, they might be very orderly people, but they like profusion and abundance and collections and a lot of stuff going on and things on the wall and stuff on the table. And like my mother is like this. She she's not she doesn't have clutter because everything is beautiful and thoughtfully placed and there's no there's no junk around. But she just has a lot of stuff in a way that I would not thrive in that environment. Like I love visiting it because it's all beautiful, but if if it were my home, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it that way. Um and so there's just a lot of ways where we each different have a perspective. We have different values, we thrive in different environments, we have different aptitudes for maintaining and I think sometimes you just have to, like, if you're in, like, let's say you're in an office situation or a roommate situation or a household situation, sometimes you just have to say, like, this is the person that I'm dealing with. They just have a different perspective from me. And so it's not like I'm right, they're wrong, or they're right, I'm wrong. It's more like, how do we work out what can work for both of us, rather than feeling like somebody's in the right? Because that's when you get conflict, um, is me telling you that you have to change. How how can a person who who is who maybe they just have never thought this way, but they really want to start looking at at paring things down and really make and, and making things more organized in their life? Yeah. How how can a person start to do that? Like, what are well, some that practical a, steps? Well, that is a great question because you say, "How do you get organized?" Well, the first thing to do is don't get organized because a lot <laughs> of people are like, "I have all these papers. I need to get organized. I have all these clothes. I need more like containers and shelves and stuff." It's like, no, don't get organized. You want to get rid of everything 
that you can, because a lot of times, and I've seen this over and over, when people get rid of everything they don't need, use, or love, they don't need to get organized because it just goes there. It's like, you don't need a filing cabinet. You don't need a system. You have like a manila folder with five documents in it. Just put that in the desk drawer. Like you don't, you know, you don't need to be organized. Um, so I think the test as you're, as you're not getting organized, but just trying to go through and get rid of things, the test that I find most useful is, do I need it? Do I use it? Do I love it? Because sometimes we have things that we love that we don't need or use. Like, and that that's like your college t-shirt. You're like, I don't use it. I don't need it, but I love it. Okay, I think we have room in our hearts and our homes for that. And then there's sometimes things, um, you know, you don't particularly use love it, but you use it all the time. Like it's a spatula or a pair of scissors or whatever. It's like, okay, fine. Like I don't, I don't really have an emotional reaction to this pair of scissors, but it's, I like having a pair of scissors in this dust drawer because every once in a while I'm like, I just need a pair of scissors and there they are. And then there's sometimes things that we, we need them, but we don't use them regularly. And this can be hard to know because it's like, well, if I'm not using it, do I really need it? But I think that's things like thermal underwear depending on where you live, you might only need like heavy long underwear once every couple of years, or like you go on a vacation once every three or four years where you would need something. So you're not really using it, but on the other hand, you have used it and, and it serves its purpose well. So maybe, or like something to wear to a very, very fancy event. Well, maybe your life isn't full of fancy events, but if you had one, you'd be like, yeah, I'm glad I have this. So it is something that you need. Um, if the circumstances arise, if you get rid of the, if you don't need it, use it or love it, it's like, why do you have it? Um, it's like, okay, you have a rice cooker. That's perfectly good, but you don't love it. You don't use it. You don't need it. Like, okay, go let that rice cooker go live with somebody who actually <laughs> cooks rice. So the, I think that is the test. And then, and to really, really be as disciplined as you can about getting rid of everything that doesn't pass that. And then a lot of times you're so much better off at the end that it's kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't really need to do that much more. Mm -hmm. One of the things that really stood out to me as I was going through the book is you talk about the effect and we've talked about this a little bit, but the effect that clutter has on our lives. Can you talk a little bit about that and why, and why it's something that we need to proactively focus on removing? Well, there's like, Really, like, kind of uh, jaw-dropping research suggesting that Americans spend about 55 minutes a day looking for misplaced objects. Just wrap your mind around what you could do if you had an extra hour in your day. It's a lot, you know. And so, just this, it just these little things um, build up on us. Um, and there's also this very strange phenomenon which I've experienced, and many, many people have experienced which is that when you get rid of the stuff you don't need, use, or love, you often feel like you have more, which is clearly irrational because you've donated or recycled or thrown away a lot of stuff. But over and over, people say, I got rid of a bunch of clothes, and now I feel like I have more to wear. Or I got rid of a bunch of books, and now I'm so excited about all the books that I have to read. Or you see this with children. Like if you go through their toys, all of a sudden they're way more interested in the toys that they have. There's something about clearing out the stuff that's kind of blocking our view. That and, and then when we're left with the things that we actually need, use, or love, it's like, oh, now that I have gotten rid of all the plastic containers that don't have a lid or that were warped or that are just so nasty nobody wants to put food in them, now I realize, boy, I have a, I have a plastic container in every size. Like, this is really – and everything has a lid and everything's organized. Like, I feel like I'm, like, so set. Um, it's just this weird thing. And so – 
taking the time to do this actually, sometimes people worry that if they go through and they get rid of stuff, that they're going to feel stripped or that their life will feel very sterile and like they have nothing left. And the fact is you decide how much you want. So if you want to end up with a lot of stuff that then you can't like not everybody wants a capsule wardrobe you know not everybody wants one manila folder in a desk drawer some people want a filing cabinet i've got a filing cabinet um but getting rid of the stuff that's in your way just ends up making you feel more connected with your things and that that creates that sense of abundance sure gretchen sometimes things we get to spots whether it's maybe you just moved or 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 whatever just different points in our lives things things do spiral out of control and you've talked a lot about <laughs> you've talked a lot about how you know one of the great things to do is to ask to ask the question you know do you do you love it do you need it you know then why do you have it well when things when when things start to do that our happiness definitely dips and i know this is a big theme in your book how do we avoid this panic because what i've noticed is that sometimes we just panic and we just it's out of control. Everything's going crazy. How do we how do we avoid panicking and begin to reorder our thoughts and 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 really start to think in uh, of these things maybe in in bite sizes where we can start to actually do things. Well, I think you're exactly right, and I think sometimes people feel like I can't deal with it. Um, I can't take the time. Um, you know, my life is so overwhelming. Like I can't, I, I, I know that this is kind of slowing me down or, or, or bringing me down, draining me, but I just can't tackle it. And one of the things I have a lot of ideas for is how do you do things in the most tiny steps? Um, you know, in the 10 minutes before it's time to leave to go to a meeting or, you know, um, so one thing is uh, like go shelf by shelf. If all you can do today is one shelf of the medicine cabinet, that's great. If you did one shelf for six months, you would get very, very far. We often overestimate what we can do in a short amount of time, like an afternoon. And then we underestimate how much we can get done over the long term if we make consistent small progress. And so if all you can do is one shelf, if you're just going to look at one drawer, if you're just going to go through one, you know, you got 15 piles of papers, you're just like, okay, today I'm just going to look at this one pile. That's helpful. Another thing to think about is the one minute rule. This is the rule that anything you can do in less than a minute, you do without delay. So if you can hang up your coat instead of throwing it on the floor, if you can print out a document and put it in, in the right place, if you can rip open a letter, see that, scan it, realize you don't need to keep it and toss it. Um, put the, you know, the tube, uh, put the toothpaste back in the medicine cabinet. The, these are things that you do in less than a minute. So they don't take any extra time, energy or money, but they get rid of a lot of the little tasks. And so many people have told me how much like over the course of a, of a month, just the one minute rule um, helps. And here's something that a friend told me. And I have to say, I was like, this sounds like the most worthless idea, but I'll try it. And I ha and it sounds weird, but it really does work. And this is whenever you go from one place to another, take one thing with you and don't try to put it away. Just get it as close as is convenient to put it. So if I have a dirty coffee mug in my office at home, I'm not going to, I'm going to take it with me when I leave my office. Well, I'm not going to take it all the way to the kitchen, which is its ultimate destination, but I'm just going to take it to my bedroom because my bedroom is sort of on the way to the kitchen. And this sounds like, well, I'm, aren't you just moving clutter around like your home or your office? Like, why is this actually doing anything? But weirdly, it makes things really much more quickly go, end up going where they need to go because wherever you're going, you're sort of putting things away just in your normal pattern of living. So again, it's not for... For people who feel like, man, I can't tackle this. Like, I, I can't possibly, you, you know, 
um, this is a way to just do it. Or like, you know, someone like my sister, I went in and looked in her shower and she truly had like 15 hair products in there, open bottles. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, you cannot tell me that you use these. And she just never took the time. And it's like, okay, one day you're standing in the shower on a Sunday morning, just like take one minute and say, do I use this one? No, this one has a funny smell. Do I use this one? I've never seen that one before in my life. I don't know how it got in my bathroom. You know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. go through it. And little by little, you can get um, a lot more done than you might ex- anticipate if you do feel overwhelmed. Uh, on the topic of, of systems and, and how, to, how to be practical about doing these things, how, how can someone determine what system of keeping order works best for them? A great thing to look at is your past. A great guide for us is what has worked for you in the past. So if there was a time, if like in college, you were much more organized or, you know, when you lived in that house in D.C., you were much more organized. What was it about it that helped you um, to do it? This kind of uh, touches on um, this personality profile that I created that divides people into four categories, upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels, because the kind of system that you would set up uh, might very much reflect what your tendency is. Because, for example, obligers really need outer accountability to meet their inner expectations. So if they want to read more, they have to join a book group. And so for obligers who find it hard to maintain order, it really helps for them to think about outer accountability. So I'm not doing this because, oh, I should make it a priority. Oh, I should put myself first. Oh, I should make time for myself. It's not that. It's I ha- I'm ha- We're having guests come stay with us. So we have to clean up the house because the guests are coming. Or I need to do this because my future self is going to be so disappointed if I get to the end of 2019 and everything is still a wreck. Or I need to think about the other people in my household or the other people in my office. And I know that the people in my office are just going to feel like it's much easier to focus and be productive if we get rid of all this junk that's in the way. And I need to be the one to lead that charge. Um, thinking about outer accountability is what works for obligers. But then like rebels, which is a different tendency, that doesn't work for them at all. They do things because that's what they want. They do things because that's what they like to do. That's the kind of person they are. So saying something like, hey, you promised me we would clean up the basement. Well, it's like, uh, yeah, you can't make me. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care about that. <laughs> but it was like, hey, you know what would be amazing? If we cleaned up the basement, we could have that music room that you've always wanted. You know, I know you've been thinking, like, it'd be so cool to have all your instruments in one place and, like, the music in one place. And we could set it up in, like, this really interesting way. And then there'd be, like, this whole music room. And then it's like, yeah, that would be – I would like to have a music room. Let's clean out the basement right now because I'm totally fired up about having a music room. So it's like when you know your tendency, a lot of times that will reveal um, why certain things work for you and certain things don't. Um, there is a quiz on my site that I think 2 million people have taken now. If you go to quiz.gretchenrubin.com, it'll tell you what your tendency is. And like like a thing for questioners, just on this subject, a thing I hear from questioners is, why would I make my bed every day? Because I just unmake it every night. Like that's, just, like that's just like a big waste of time. It's so inefficient. And I'm like, Absolutely. If you if this bugs you and you think it's like an inefficient waste of your time, there's no magic reason to make your bed. Don't do it. Or you might feel like, oh, this is really efficient because this is a way for me to start my day in an orderly frame of mind. And I really I feel like I have more focus. It's like, so I'm going to do it because that makes sense for me. I'm like, there you go. If it makes sense for you, do it. So, Gretchen, just as uh, we're moving towards wrapping up, would you could you paint a picture for someone who 
is thinking about considering doing this, what what would you say life might look like or the advantages are of living a more um, more ordered outside life that will help lead to more inner calm and peace? I would say you will save time, you will save energy, and you you will you will save yourself an enormous amount of uh, kind of confusion and decision fatigue. That once you cl- clear out everything that's clogging your way, the mystery cords, the hundred. I mean, I just cleaned out my kitchen. I'm like, we have two garlic presses. So first, I'm like, we don't need two garlic presses. Then I'm like, we don't even need one garlic press. We never use a garlic press. Why is this here? You just feel, it just, you feel like the, everything that you need and want and love is right at the ready. And that gives you that feeling of clarity and focus so that when you're, whether you're trying to work in an office or you're trying to get something done at home, or you're just trying to relax, you don't have that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I should, I should run around and put everything away. Or, oh, I keep seeing that pile of files in the corner of my office. What are those files? I don't know. I should take a look, but I don't have time, but I should do it. Oh, I don't know. Oh, now I spilled coffee on them. Now I have to deal with it. It's like, you could just save yourself a lot of that. And there's a great feeling that comes from it. Over and over, people are like, I feel amazing. I, I, I had a friend where he said he just keeps walking by his front closet, opening the door because he just loves, he's like, I can actually see the floor of my front closet for the first time in 10 years. It's like, I just, it's just, it's so satisfying. It's weird how satisfying it is. It doesn't really make sense how satisfying it is, but most of us feel that way. And so you can, you can give yourself that little charge. Um by managing your stuff. Mm-hmm. So Gretchen, we always have a few questions that we love to ask all of our guests concerning learning and what's working and helping them right now. And so the first question we have is what's one thing that is helping you either personally or professionally right now? Well, this is a very uh, simple thing, but um, one thing I travel a lot, especially for work. And um, one thing I'm always very worried about is losing my phone, putting it down, leaving it behind, having it slip you know, out of my bag or something without me realizing it. And I got this thing called a bandolier, which allows you to carry your phone on your body. And it's like the greatest thing of all time. Um, and that has just saved me. Um, another thing kind of in the same line, a, a lot of people have told me how much they love the tile app. Because this is for people who like can't put their keys away in the same place every day. Again, this is about managing finding things. Um, and the tile app is something that you would attach to your keys, and then you can use your phone, and it will ping you. So if you've got, if you or someone in your household is constantly misplacing a common object, which is very like a big problem that a lot of people face, you can use you can use the tile app so that you can uh, easily put your hands on whatever it is you're looking for. I love that. What, what advice would you give to someone who is eager to learn? It could be learning anything. Well, the advice I would give is to read. I feel like re- reading for me is the best way. Um, but I think for everyone, it's like, how do you learn best? Do you learn best by listening? Do you learn best by watching? Do you learn best by reading? Do you learn best by trying it yourself? Um, to really think about yourself and not think like, oh, there's one best way. There's only the way that works for you. And again, a really helpful thing is to say, well, when have I succeeded in the past? It's like, oh, you know, really, when I've wanted to learn something, I do best when I take a class where I actually show up with other students and have a teacher. That's what helps me. If I want to learn Spanish, maybe I need to actually sign up for a class. Or maybe I do best when I do a little bit each day. So I want to sign up for an app that's going to help me learn a language because I'm just going to do a little bit each day and that's kind of fun. 
or maybe I need to get a workbook and like really study it that way. Um, maybe I need to immerse myself in it by like traveling or, you know, doing some kind of intense experience where it's like, okay, if I want to learn, you know, software, I'm going to sign up for a conference where it's like the boot camp, And I really like that approach. Um, there's no one right way. It's really what works for you. And so, you know, experiment on yourself, use yourself as a guinea pig, my favorite thing to do, and, and try and see what's, what works. What are one or two books that you've read recently that have really challenged your thinking? Well, a book that I haven't read recently, but that I think about all the time is an amazing book called A Pattern Language by Christopher Alexander, which is all about why we find certain spaces to be more, um, appealing or uh help us focus or like that we just enjoy being in those uh so it and it's it has uh thoughts about office design like how close should you be to other people what should you be able to hear how like what kind of light do you need like that people find to be optimal or in a home what do people find or in any kind of architecture or, or city planning and it's just written in this really interesting way and it shows you why a 17th century Norwegian farmhouse might be very much like an English cottage and a, a California ranch house, like why they have similar things that make them very appealing. Mm. Um, another bo well, book, a, a book that I read fairly recently that I love is a book called Internal Time. And it's really about how people really are night people or morning people. And uh, it's largely genetically determined, but it's also a function of age. And it really, it's like, if you've ever felt like, I need to change myself and start getting up early. You will read this and be like, no, it's a real thing. I really am a night person. And I feel like, I feel like the world is set up for morning people, which works for me since I'm a morning person. But reading this book gave me much, much more sympathy and understanding for night people and really a belief that the world needs to accommodate night people. And like, maybe we can't have a staff meeting that starts at 8.30 in the morning. It would be much better to start it at 10. Um, you know, there's a lot of research about how if schools start later, because like young people tend to be very night owlish, um, that children do better in school. And so can we change the school day to accommodate what we know is just part of being that age? Um, so I found that book to be fascinating and helping me to understand how people's, even just people's chronotypes influence their productivity and their, um, and, and, and their happiness. Yeah. I know that I'm a night person. I stay yeah. up way too late regularly. <laughs> but see, the stuff. idea that, that you're staying up way too late, I mean, it's maybe me. I go to bed way too early. From your perspective, it's mm -hmm. like if everything started at 11 a.m. and it ended at 3, if, uh, 11 a.m. and it ended at 3 a.m., you'd be like, yeah. you'd be set. No, I agree. <laughs> I, nobody goes to bed earlier than Caleb, though. It's like seven. Uh -huh. It's like 7.30 and Caleb's, like, uh -huh. Caleb's ready. I'm Not with Caleb. We'll, we'll be on the same side. <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll have a 6 a.m. 6 a.m. conference call. That would work oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, hey, um, if you could have everybody learn one thing. Now, this, this thing could be how to make the perfect sushi roll, or it could be what we've been talking about already in your book. Whatever it is, what would that one thing be? The one thing would be to recognize that there is no one right way to achieve an aim. There is no magic one-size-fits-all solution. Anybody who says, this is the way to do it, you have to do it this way, this is the best way, this is the most efficient way, it just can't be true. Each of us is different, and there's so many ways to achieve whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, whether it's reading more or getting more sleep or exercising more or eating more healthfully or changing careers or learning Spanish or whatever it is. 
there's a million ways to do that and never beat yourself up if you feel like I'm not doing it the way I should or I don't understand why this works for everybody else but it doesn't work for me everyone's different and so it's just a question of figuring out what works for you and then finally what are you learning right now what am I learning right now? Right now, I am going to, um, I'm about to go uh, like do a big book tour. And so I am learning um, every time you go out, you have to sort of relearn how to engage with an audience. Things are always a little bit different. Um, subjects are different. Venues are different. Technology is different. Everything's different. And so I'm interested to go out and sort of see like, Okay, I gotta. I, I've learned this in the past, but I've got to. I've got to learn how to do it in a new way, and not assume that I what's worked before is going to work this time. So that's what I'm focused on. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about, really quickly, that I just thought of for someone who you know you've written a, a lot of books. What advice would you give to someone who is thinking about writing a book, but maybe not sure what to do, or maybe a helpful practice or two that might help? Um. One thing is know what you want to say. A lot of people kind of want to write, but they don't really know what they want to say. And I will, and it sounds so obvious, but as a writer, I've experienced this so many times. When you know what you want to communicate, the words come much more easily. Um, and I would also say work in the way that's right for you. A lot of times people say, oh, you should get up early and write, you know, first thing when you're fresh. But hey, you know, we've got a night person here. That's mm -hmm. not good advice for you. So do it in the way that works for you. Um, most people who are writers read a ton. Um, that helps you to just use language well. And uh, so I, I think it's very, very important to read. And if you are writing a book about a certain subject, make sure that you read about that subject, because I am actually astonished by how often I will meet somebody who's like, oh, I'm writing a book about X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh, have you read this, this, this? And they're like, oh, no, I didn't know about those books. And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't look like you're very interested in your own subject. And second of all, you don't know, like, how can you contribute when you don't already know what's out there? People will often say, oh, nobody ever writes about this. And I'm like, I literally can think of three books off the top of my head about exactly that subject. So you, you really need to, I think, read widely, but also make sure that you are reading on whatever that subject, subject is. And sometimes people worry that then, well, then they won't be as original. Well, that's just not the case. You know, I mean, there's a million novels that have been written and everyone can be original again. Um, you know, uh, and there's a million nonfiction books that are written and, and people will, there, there will be a million more and people have new things to say. Um, but I think that um, you serve yourself well when you read widely and deeply on your own subject. Mm -hmm. Well, Gretchen, thank you so much for being on the Learner's Corner today. I know people will want to going to connect with you, follow you and get the book. Where's the best place for them to go to do those things? Um, well, the book is anywhere you buy your books. If you go to my website, GretchenRubin.com, there's all kinds of links. There's a sample chapter. There's a sample of the audio book. If you like audio book, there's all kinds of resources there. Um, and uh, I also, I'm on social media. I love to engage with listeners and viewers and readers. So you can hit me up on social media anywhere you want. Gretchen Rubin. Um, and I have a podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And so if you like want to hear more, um, you can mm -hmm. listen to the podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the Learner's Corner today. Thank you. It was so fun to talk to you. Have a great day. Okay, Todd, I know that you need a lot of help with organization and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what's something that you took away 
that was helpful for you? See, that's interesting that you opened it up by saying that because what I took away was that, listen, some of us, this is just the way we function. <laughs> and if it doesn't work for us, we don't need to do it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't remain not organized. I mean, it means that I don't have to listen to people like you. You know, I think for me, one of the things that I thought was interesting whenever she started out was um, sometimes organization is shouldn't be the goal. You just need to throw stuff away. You just need to throw it away, baby. So that's one of the things that I took away from this I episode. took away that I don't need to be organized because Gretchen Rubin said. And I'm taking that and I'm naming it and claiming it. So there we go. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode of The Learner's Corner, the best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode, do you know how it is, Todd? Well, I think what I've heard is you can subscribe. Is that true? Yes. You can subscribe to the podcast and whatever podcast player you use, and the episode will download literally every single Tuesday that we have an episode and every anytime that we release an episode. Hey, go follow well. go go follow Sam Massey on Instagram. Um, he, it'll, his, his handle will be in the show notes. He is the one who created this music that you are hearing. Yep. He's also got music right on now. Spotify and Apple music as well. And also while you're, while you're subscribing as well, leave a rating and write a review. Yes. Like this person, Lauren Hirsch says, well worth the lesson. This podcast is well organized, not too fast paced and includes thoughtful questions and guests. Highly recommend. Great job. Woo! Thanks, Lauren. And if you want your podcast review read, you got to leave a review. Do it. And leave a rating as well. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about friendship, Todd. (gasps) You're the best friend I've ever had. I turned that song and made it bad. Never mind. (laughs) And we're going to be talking. We're the three best friends that anyone could have, except there's nobody else but Caleb and I in this room. And we're going to be talking with Kate Lever, who uh, did extensive research on all sorts of different types of friendships, what makes friendships work and not work, and just all of that as well. Shout out to Ashley Bohens for me uh, singing on the podcast today. (laughs) So... Again, the best way to make sure you don't miss that episode is by subscribing. Do it. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is not Caleb Mason. It is definitely Todd Hicksonball. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.